This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ. The first doses of a COVID-19 vaccine are now rolling out, and Americans are finally able to imagine a post-pandemic life in which we return to offices, restaurants, and maybe even malls. But there are certain parts of life that we all know may never be the same. Movies are at the top of the list. As more and more people streamed content during the quarantine, the picture for movie theaters has grown dim. And nostalgia alone may not be able to save them. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. This season, we're doubling down on the past, jumping further back to the archives of Barron's to explore why companies, ideas, and industries thrived, even as others failed to meet their promise. In our frenetic news cycle, those stories are quickly forgotten, even though they hold valuable lessons for the future. Today on the show, movie theaters may be the one thing a vaccine can't fix. Russell Levinson used to have busy days as the owner of a small movie theater in Great Neck, a suburban town on Long Island. I was selling tickets, I was making popcorn, and I was dealing with projectors too and fixing issues, but the most important thing was just seeing how it impacted people's lives and talking with them about that and getting to know them. Russell said he owned a theater mostly for those people. He was a film buff, and he got a kick out of sharing the experience with customers who just happened to pay him for it. And then there were the perks. Imagine being able to watch any movie, anytime, while having unlimited access to popcorn. Movie theater popcorn. There is nothing better than hot, fresh popcorn. A lot of us would take like a small cup, like a little Coke cup or something, and as that fresh batch was coming out, you'd fill it and you'd just sort of nosh on uh, that fresh, hot popcorn. There's really nowhere else where you can get that. <laughs> it's just the greatest. And now that's gone too. Russell closed his theater in early March for what he hoped would be a short time. There was no good way to adapt or survive the shutdown, though that didn't stop him from trying. From the day that our theater closed, I was living within walking distance of my theater. And I just went into the office every day. I was constantly trying to figure out what was going on with stimulus packages and what was going on with the industry, what was going on with the governor and the state and coronavirus stats. I was like every day watching everything, you know, just trying to see how is this, how is this gonna gonna go? And I went there every single day up until we gave the keys to the landlord. Russell's Great Neck Theater closed permanently in September. After the lockdowns began in March, restaurants turned to DoorDash as their lifeline. Retailers embraced e-commerce, and office workers had Zoom. Movie theaters? They were basically out of luck. I just think the pandemic has thrown a wrench into everything, and now we're in this moment where we just don't know what's going to happen with the industry as a whole, with people's viewing habits and when they'll be ready to come back. Do people have this built up drive to be social as soon as everything's over and they'll be super social and they'll be going out to movies and malls and everything and all that? Or have their habits changed permanently? 
That's the question basically everyone in the movie business is asking right now, from the largest studios like Warner Brothers to the smallest theater owners like Russell. And we've got a double feature planned on the topic. See what we did there? This week, we're exploring what the pandemic means for movie theaters, the small ones, like Russell's, and the largest multiplexes, which are among the hardest-hit stocks in our COVID era. For Russell, running a movie theater was never easy, but it's the family business. It goes back generations. His grandfather owned an independent theater, and Russell and his father eventually started their own, with Russell running the business. I kind of jumped into it, and I just, I loved it. I still love it. His first theater was in Queens, New York. And for a while, it did really well. Even as more people began to stream content at home, there was still a role for movie theaters, particularly when it came to the blockbusters. I think actually 2018 might have been the best year. You had some huge movies that year. Avengers Infinity War came out last weekend and is already shattering box office records. The Marvel franchise made $258 million over the weekend, making it the biggest domestic opening of all time. You had Avengers and Black Panther. Black Panther blew past box office estimates in its opening weekend. Huge crowds of people packed into theaters across the country to see this new superhero movie. So far, the film has raked in an estimated $192 million in the U.S. and Canada. That year you had a quiet place. There was a Jurassic Park that year, Ant-Man. There were really big movies that year, and that wasn't very long ago at all. That was, it was a great year. But it wasn't enough to fight the cold reality of real estate. In 2018, the lease on his Queens Theater was bought out. A big box retailer wanted the space, and there was a clause in our lease that sort of allowed the landlord to just buy us out, and we had no choice. So we had to leave that space, and that was really our our true love was that theater. And it was a very successful independent theater in New York City, which is super rare. And we loved it there. We loved everything about it, even though it had many issues, but the location was good. It was very centrally located and we had a good loyal base of customers. Russell was determined to keep going. A year later, he took over a seven screen theater on Long Island, a few miles east. Squire Great Neck Cinemas mainly played the big studio movies. Russell was hopeful that he could replicate the success of his previous Queens location. I've always thought that even with these giant AMC theaters and and these big box theaters being built up everywhere. There was still always a spot for the old school family run theater in most towns. But the Great Neck Theater took a while to find its footing. It did, it did okay. It didn't do amazing, but it, it did okay. And like I said, I was there trying to figure out the people that were coming, the people that weren't coming, trying to just network and, and figure out how we can improve the business and, gain more customers and book the right movies and all that stuff. So I was very engaged with the community. Yeah, and then uh, it was March, uh, March 16th, we got the order to close by the governor. And you guys haven't reopened since. Correct. And there won't be a reopening. It is permanently closed. We left the space, we gave it back to the landlord, and I gave him the keys, and it is not going to be a theater anymore. On Wall Street, movie theaters' struggle is less personal, but equally real. Shares of AMC Entertainment, 
the country's largest movie theater chain, have fallen 50% this year. And the company is scrambling to avoid bankruptcy. Last week, AMC raised $100 million by issuing new debt. The company said it would need another $750 million to get through next year. Substantial doubt exists about the company's ability to continue as a going concern for a reasonable period of time, AMC warned. Yikes. Sometimes even dry financial documents can deliver a gut punch. If AMC can't make it, how could Russell have any chance? When you think about a world without movie theaters, it's almost like the premise of a post-apocalyptic film. It's got Hollywood all over it, right? I mean, it's both sad, inspiring. I mean, it's got everything. Mm-hmm. It's like a blockbuster movie, really. I'm Paul Dergarabedian, and I'm the senior media analyst for Comscore. We're a global media measurement company. Paul is also the host of the podcast, Many Screens, Big Picture, and he's been watching the movie industry for almost 30 years. The pandemic accelerated not only the conversation about what the movie theater is, what it means, where its place is in the entertainment ecosystem, but will it survive this ice age, so to speak, of cinema because of the pandemic? For Hollywood and the theaters, this isn't the first time we've talked of their imminent demise. I mean, the death knell has been told for the movie theater for 50 years. And it goes well beyond just 50 years. In fact, the theaters even survived our last pandemic. The 1918 pandemic, there were movie theaters then. The movie theaters survived that. The Great Depression, movie theaters flourished and did incredibly well. People needed that great escape. And perhaps surprisingly, the Great Depression was a great time for the movie business. The 1930s produced some of our best-known films, ones that came to define the American film industry from Gone with the Wind Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. To King Kong. To The Wizard of Oz. Oh, Annie M. There's no place like home. If you go from the Great Depression when movie going was perhaps in terms of sheer numbers of people and as a percentage of population going to the theater, we'll never get to that level. When people could barely afford a loaf of bread, they would go to the movie theater and they ran theaters 24 hours a day. Then came the 1950s, when more and more Americans brought TV sets into their homes. Why put up with a set that isn't really up to date and has an old fashioned small screen when you can get this wonderful new 17 inch Westinghouse set at a modest price? Just ask your dealer. Television was seen to be, whoa, we're in trouble now. People can just sit at home and watch content on a small screen. Why would they go to the movie theater? And yet they did, and we had some of the greatest movies ever in the 60s and 70s. The challenges have only accelerated in the last few decades, from videotapes and Blockbuster to cable and HBO, and then surround sound and flat screen TVs. Each innovation threatened to make theaters obsolete. The latest competition comes from streaming. Theaters have withstood it all. Last year, 2019, we had record global box office with 42.5 billion. It's not like streaming didn't exist in 2019. And in fact, Disney Plus and Apple Plus all came online. 
Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix were all running at full capacity. And yet we still had $42.5 billion in box office in theaters alone. But theaters were able to fight back in all those previous instances. This time is different, of course, given that the movies were closed for months. And people have been hesitant to be in theaters even as they've reopened in many states. The box office tells the story. They are numbers unlike any we've seen before. I call this the year of the asterisk when it comes to the data. The year to date is down close to 80%, but that's what happens when you're in a race and you get a flat tire. I'd argue it's more than a flat tire, like maybe four flats all at once, or an engine blowing out. The closures and slow reopenings have left Hollywood some $8 billion short at the US box office versus last year. And that's even after some big hits early in 2020 before the pandemic arrived. Like everyone, theaters have been trying to adapt to a world that changed overnight. In this case, by falling back on some old tricks. Drive-ins were a huge business over the summer. We wouldn't have had a summer movie season if not for the drive-ins that literally went from representing about one and a half percent of the box office pre-pandemic to 80 and 90% of the box office, the drive-in. I mean, it is amazing how people adapt, right? They do, and they find a way. There's also streaming. Millions of people have signed up for new subscriptions on Netflix, Disney+, and other platforms. For movie studios, new streaming revenue can make up some of what's been lost at the box office. But those dollars aren't going to theater owners like Russell, a purist who isn't just opposed to streaming because of the economics. I don't have Netflix. I don't have Disney Plus. I'm old school and obviously I'm completely biased, but I still don't have those services. I still value being at a movie theater where I won't be distracted at all. I won't be on my laptop at the same time and on my phone as watching a movie. But not everyone is quite so old school, including, as it turns out, some of the movie studios. Earlier this month, Warner Brothers surprised everyone by saying that all of its 2021 movies would be heading to its streaming service, HBO Max, at the same time as they debut in theaters. That decision would have been unheard of before COVID, and it's likely to make movie theaters come back that much more difficult. So realistically, what happens next? Russell's theater is closed. Is he still hopeful about the future of the movie business? Will we ever again see pack theaters filled with the smell of popcorn? I'm optimistic. I think there'll be less theaters, less screens, and maybe less people going, but there's still going to be movie theaters. There's still going to be great, amazing movies. And there's still a large group of people that enjoy the experience of going to the theater and getting into that immersive experience, that communal experience, being with others. What I saw in my experience was that it's a very valuable social aspect of life. So I think it's still going to be there, and let's just hope it doesn't get too damaged from all this. It might take some real outside-the-box thinking, though, something Hollywood hasn't always been so open to. Next week, we look at how the film industry pushed back and resisted new ideas. MoviePass failed after major theater chains launched similar monthly subscription packages, and the startup was also hit by major outages, was forced to hike prices as a result. With billions of dollars flowing in, why mess with success? 2020 is the reason. The pandemic has offered a clear lesson for business. 
Disruption can't just be wished away. Thanks for listening to The Readback. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back. Either way, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadbackatbarons.com. Thanks to Russell Levinson and Paul Dergarabidian. And for more coverage on movie theaters, Hollywood, and the entertainment business, you can check out barons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Meta Latoft and Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. Next week, on our final episode of this season of The Readback, movie theaters barely changed for decades. Now they'll have no choice. The streaming services are really, you know, what the theaters believe killed them. And they just kind of buried their heads in the sand. We'll be back next week. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.